Hello, and thank you for joining our podcast. My name is Stephanie Jarris, and I'm the Director of Research for the Department of Defense Counter Insider Threat Program. Voices from the SBS Summit is a monthly podcast brought to you by the Threat Lab, DOD's Counter Insider Threat Program, and the National Insider Threat Task Force. This podcast features conversations with presenters from the Threat Lab's annual Counter Insider Threat Social and Behavioral Science Summit. We'll ask guests about what's new since September's summit, including updates to their presentations, what they didn't have time to talk about, and what they think about what's going on right now. This week, Jessica Bavea, a personality psychologist with the Threat Lab, is talking to Aranda Jayawikrama about whether we can change our character. Enjoy the episode. I'm Jessica Bavea, and today we are talking to Aranda Jayawikrama about whether we can change our character. Hi, Aranda. Hi, Jessica. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? I'm lovely. Thank you. Um, awesome. Okay, so before we kind of jump into talking about changing our character, I wanted to start with just a couple of basic questions um, about uh, about your research. So. Uh, before we talk about character, I know um, people talk a lot about character and they also talk about personality. So can we start by just explaining to people what is personality um, and what is character? Yeah, no, I think it'd be good for us to talk, start by defining these terms. So personality, you know, at the most basic level just refers to the ways in which people differ from each other. So characteristics that, uh, you know, that vary between people or characteristics we use to distinguish between people. So just as a very simple example, you know, we know that some of our friends are very talkative and chatty and, you know, can make friends really quickly. They're very comfortable in a room with strangers, whereas other people, uh, you know, don't enjoy parties, don't like, don't like talking to strangers. They like the company of one or two friends. So when we think about the people we know, or even our colleagues or people in the world, we know that, you know, we can, we can easily observe differences between these people. Um, so at a very fundamental level, personality refers to different characteristics that allow us to distinguish between people. Um, and you can think about these differences at different levels, right? So at a very basic level, uh, you could think about its very specific behavioral tendency someone might have, right? So for example, the fact that I, I might always serve a cup of tea to a stranger, right? The first time they enter my house, right? So the fact that, oh, whenever someone visits around there, there's a cup of tea waiting for him. Um, we can also think about uh, personality differences in terms of the story we tell about our lives, right? So uh, whether I think of my story as one of uh, overcoming adversity or sort of uh, being sort of a, a, um, someone who's had a particular sort of sense of identity that's grown and changed over a period of time, right? So we can also think about personality in terms of differences in the stories we tell about our lives. Um, now, for the most part, psychologists tend to study personality in terms of dispositional traits. So what's nice about dispositional traits, and I'll just call them traits going forward, is that they, they capture these broad tendencies uh, that are not too specific, right? So we don't have to know too much about, you know, lots and lots of behaviors that a given person has to know that this person is high or low on a trait. But at the same time, knowing whether someone is high or low in a trait tells a lot, us a lot about how that person is in general. Um, and also because we know that 
different personality traits predict different outcomes. Uh, knowing the level of someone's uh, personality trait allows us to make predictions about how that person is going to do in the future, potentially. Okay, that's so that's really interesting. So when we think of our personality traits, you know, they're these sort of stable characteristics, you know, that explain how people behave across situations. But um, thinking about that, then, you know, is it the case that our personality doesn't change over our life? You know, if we're, you know, if we have a particular trait, um, is that just ha ha who we're destined to be for the rest of our lives? No, that's a great question. Um, and I will say, right, until relatively recently, um, the dominant view of personality was one of stability, right? So, uh, you know, for, for many people outside personality psychology, and even for some research within psychology, right? By definition, personality meant stability, right? So for example, if you were gregarious and outgoing, uh, if you were open to trying new things, new foods, new, you know, new places to visit, the idea was that those, you know, those characteristics were pretty stable, right? So if you're an extroverted person, you're probably going to be extroverted for most of your life. Um, now, in recent years, what we've realized that our personalities actually do change across the lifespan. Um, so, you know, we become more emotionally stable, for example, as we move towards uh, what are called middle adulthood, right? So as we get older, we tend to mature, right? Uh, our personality develops in ways that allow us to take on various tasks that are just part and parcel of, of adulthood. Um, so I think one set of findings that changed the minds of many people about personality was the, was the fact that our personalities tend to change. And for the most part, they tend to grow and mature over the course of the lifespan. Now, one explanation for why our personality changes is, as I mentioned earlier, the fact that we have to confront uh, social roles that we have to fulfill, uh, social expectations. Um, we need to fulfill goals that we have, right? As we move through our career, as we move through our family life. Um, and the idea is that our, either the expectation that we need to change our behavior to meet these goals, or our desire to change our behavior to fulfill personally valuable goals acts as a catalyst for personality change. So to just give one example of theoretical of a theory that, uh, that explicitly discusses this, um, the personality psychologist Brent Roberts talks about how changes in social roles leads to shifts in the types of thoughts, feelings, and behaviors we have in our lives. And over time, those changes in our behaviors become dispositional, right? Or in other words, they become habits. Uh, and the fact that these, uh, what are called, these changes become habitual means that our traits, right, our personality has in fact shifted. Um, so I think one of the most important insights over the last uh, 10 to 15 years is the fact, right, that our personality changes in part in response to either demands of our environment as we get older or in response to goals that we have in that year. Okay, so that, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. So, I mean, it sounds like, you know, a good way to think about this is as we sort of take these life challenges on, right? We develop traits or develop characteristics that help us to sort of meet those challenges, right? So if I get a new job and I, it's really important to me that I impress my boss, I'm probably going to sort of um, try to be a very conscientious person, right? And what I mean is, you know, show up to work on time and, you know, get my get things done by deadlines, right? And as I continue to sort of do those things over years, right, I suddenly develop the trait of conscientiousness, right? I'm now 
Um, you know, I now have more of that than I did before because it's just an aggregation of these habits, right, that I do in my day-to-day life to, to meet my goals. Um, but I want to talk about something a little bit different, which is, you know, that's something that I think kind of happens incidentally as we do these things throughout our life, right? As we get married, as we, um, you know, get a new job. Um, but what about people who might want to try to change their personality intentionally? You know, there's something about themselves um, that maybe they don't like um, or something else that they sort of covet. Um, is that something that you think is possible? That is an excellent question. Um, so one of the insights that personality psychologists have had over the last I would say 10 years, right? Is that, you know, given that our personality does seem to change in response to sort of environmental pressures, right? So demands from our job, demands from our social responsibilities. Um, it also seems plausible, right? That what we call intrapsychic uh, forces, right? Or our own desires, right? Our own goals to become better people uh, could also play a role in fostering personality change, right? So. It, you know, since maybe 2013, 2014, researchers have been interested in self-regulatory personality change or intentional or volitional personality change, right? This idea that if you desire to change your personality, you're willing to put in the work to facilitate that change, right? Um, so one thing we do, right, and this is from work that uh, I think Nate Hudson did maybe seven years ago, is that people want to change their personality traits. Um, and this is for two, at least two reasons. One is that personality traits are desirable traits. So when we think about the big five traits, right, which are uh, openness to new experience, conscientiousness, agreeableness, uh, extroversion, and emotional stability or neuroticism, right? These are traits that are highly desirable, right? When you, you know, so when you think about what these traits facilitate, right? So this is something that my colleague Will Fleeson and I have written about uh, in our work on whole trait theory. These traits help us facilitate important social goals, right? So as you mentioned earlier, Jessica, being more extroverted uh, or being more conscientious can help facilitate um, fulfilling goals in your work environment, right? Um, being agreeable can make you a better uh, uh, romantic partner or friend. Um, so for one thing, people know that these personality traits have payoffs in terms of their well-being, right? They know that it, what call, their life will likely be better if they change their person, specific personality traits. Um, and also, we know from research, right, that people actually report wanting to change these traits, right? In particular, they want to typically become less neurotic or more emotionally stable and more extroverted. Um, so part of the reason why I think it is possible for people to change their personalities is that to some extent, the personality, we ch the personality change we see across time is in part driven by volitional factors or by self-regulatory factors, right? So part of the reason why we become more conscientious once we move into the workforce is that we want to do well at our job, right? Um, and also people already are motivated to change their personality, right? It's not as if they're saying, well, I know that being more extroverted would be good for me, but I don't really feel like it. I'm pretty happy with where I am. Um, so I think those two factors combined um, make me pretty, pretty optimistic, right? That it is possible to motivate people to want to change um, specific personality traits. So when I think about this, I, I often think about it as, you know, being able to sort of shift 
that needle a little. Um, like you're probably not going to drastically change who you are, you know, at a deep and fundamental level, right? You know, if you're starting out really low in extroversion, you know, you're probably, you know, and you sit at home and you like to, you know, be quiet and not have many social connections and, you know, all those things that go around with being, go along with being somewhat more introverted. Um, but you're probably never going to be somebody who is, you know, extremely extroverted and loves large parties and all of the simulation and, um, you know, and, and really kind of tops out that scale, right? Um, but you might end up somewhere kind of in the middle if that's something that's important to you and, you know, something that um, you, you think would be helpful to sort of make your life better. So would you kind of agree with that? Yes. So I think, you know, one thing that I think is important to note, right, is that I don't think it's like feasible or desirable for everyone to sort of max out in the personality traits, right? Uh, so what 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 okay. I'm not saying is that like every, of course everyone should be as extroverted as possible, right? Um, I think you know people do have the dispositional um, levels, right? So you know it is true that uh, contextual factors, environmental factors uh, dictate a personality levels, but also to some extent you know biological. Um, and more sort of stable factors, right? Also predict our personality. So I think the main reason why we, well, there are two reasons, right? Why we want to like shift our personality, even, even if it's only by a little bit. One is that we know that personality predicts all types of important outcomes, right? So extroversion predicts better quality relationships, conscientiousness predicts better work performance and longevity. Um, so because you know the t the types of outcomes that personality predicts are really valuable outcomes, uh, and because you know compared to other potential predictors such as intelligence, right, um, personality might be more malleable, right, than other predictors of these types of important outcomes. So it might be that even shifting your personality by a little bit might really increase the likelihood of you sort of. Uh, doing well down the line, right? In terms of longevity or better quality relationships or better work performance. Um, so I think that's one reason why, um, you know, that's another reason why I think, you know, even shifting your personality by a small degree might, might be helpful because it leads to all these downstream benefits. Great. So it's, you know, it's sort of an optimistic view, right? Which is that if, if you have a personality trait or a goal that you're trying to achieve that you think requires changing your personality, um, it's possible, right? You know, and, and you can focus on specific behaviors that you might want to achieve in order to kind of meet that goal, right? So if your goal is to be a good employee, focus on the little things like showing up to work on time or being a better partner, you know, um, focus on those sort of day-to-day -day behaviors that hopefully over time will kind of coalesce into, um, into a personality trait that will have more beneficial outcomes for you. But I want to uh, shift gears a little bit because, of course, you know, we're talking today about changing our character. Um, and although personality is kind of relevant to that, um, it's a little bit of a different question. So I'm, I'm going to start out with the same thing that I asked with personality, which is uh, when you talk about character, what is character and how is that different from personality? That's no, that's a good question. Um, so, you know, what's interesting about character is that in the very early days of personality psychology, right, the study of personality psychology uh, and individual differences was synonymous with character, right? Um, and in part because of the work of Gordon Allport and others, right, personality psychologists really sort of pulled away from the study of character, in part because character by definition 
um, involves the study of sort of morally valued uh, worker attributes, right? So the big five, right? The, the big five personality traits that, you know, mo most people are familiar with, right? Those are, you know, those reflect, right? Um, traits that are just valued in society, right? So, you know, ask people about how they describe people, right? It turns out that in many cultures, not all, right? How people describe themselves and other people tend to fall into these categories um, that were, uh, are sort of marked out by the big five. Now, with character, they're focused on specific, you know, patterns of thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that are morally valued. Um, so these would include character virtues or character traits like honesty, like courage, like compassion. Um, some researchers make the distinction between moral character traits and intellectual character traits. Um, and interestingly, like other, other researchers make even more uh, fine-tuned distinctions, right? So you have civic character traits, uh, you have um, performance character traits, right? Which links up very closely with conscientiousness. But, you know, one like substantive difference, I think many philosophers would agree on, is the distinction between moral character traits that have to do with sort of the good and what it means to be a good person and intellectual character traits, which, ha which have to do with sort of, um, you know, epistemological questions, right? Or what are, the, what, are the, what are the traits that we need to have an accurate understanding of the world? Um, so I think those are the, um, and incidentally, right? So intellectual character traits map on pretty closely to the big five trait of openness to experience. So with some of these moral and intellectual character traits, you can make the case that they are broad big five analogs. Right, so people are more agreeable are likely to be more likely to be more compassionate. People are more intellectually humble, or people are more willing to admit that they're wrong uh, about their beliefs are likely to be more open to experience. Um, so I'm, I'm not. I, I wouldn't say that character traits are completely distinct from the big five. Um, but what does distinguish them? What what makes them distinctive is the focus on certain specifically valued or moral attributes. So for intellectual character traits, um, you know, sort of linking that to openness to experience. So openness to experience is things like curiosity, um, willingness to experience new things, right? So it's this sort of um, tendency to want to explore the world and to consider your perspective um, as well as other people's perspective when it comes to new ideas. That kind of a good description of some of those characteristics that overlap with those um, like intellectual morality characteristics? Yes. So, you know, intellectual character traits could involve, would involve curiosity, open-mindedness, and um, intellectual humility, right? And all three of those character, of those intellectual character virtues do sort of correspond to some degree with uh, openness to experience, right? Especially, so, you know, openness to experience, the way psychologists have measured it, tend to distinguish between the more sort of intellect-focused component and the more creativity-focused component. So I would say that um, intellectual character traits would probably correspond most closely uh, to the intellect facet of, of, of openness to experience. Okay. Okay. It's interesting because when I think about character, I think I'm, I more often think about the, the, the sort of other side of it, right, which is that sort of honesty, humility, com, you know, compassion component, um, and less so um, that, that more curiosity and openness component. So I hadn't really thought about that as being something that, you know, is part of character. So it's interesting because some philosophers argue that for you to 
have good moral character, you also need to have good intellectual character because having good intellectual character enables you to figure out what are the appropriate situations and contexts in order for you to be moral. Um, so for many, for many thinkers, right, the, the, these moral and intellectual characters operate in this sort of yin and yang relationship, right, where you need one to have the other. That's really, that's really interesting. And it's not hard to imagine how, you know, the ability to sort of be curious and to take others' perspectives could be important for something like compassion, right? You need to sort of understand where someone's coming from in order to, you know, be compassionate towards them. Um, okay, so when we think about character then, like, why is character important? Why should we care about it? That's a good question. So for one thing, right, most people care about being good people, right? So we know from our own research that people have a strong need to see themselves as moral, right? So they, they want to, people want to think well of themselves, right? People want to have high self-esteem. So part of that involves seeing yourself as a moral person. Um, um, it turns out that we have strong motives towards generativity, right? Towards, you know, focusing our attention on other people, helping other people out. We know that these uh, sort of more pro-social generative goals increase as we get older, right? Um, so, you know, one answer to that question is that we are motivated to be moral people, right? Both in general and also as we age. Um, another reason is that, you know, in psychology, in philosophy, in education, there's been a strong interest, right, in developing character, right? So, simple example, most, if you read most of the mission statements of liberal arts schools in the United States, right? Most of these mission statements will reflect some focus on improving the character of uh, its students, right? So we care about developing, you know, um, good people, good character, right? People are going to be good civic citizens. People are going to be good members of society. People are going to go around and do the right thing, right, throughout life, right? Um, so it's clearly something that society cares about. Um, and finally, you know, I, you know, as someone who is a relatively new parent, right? Uh, I think many people, especially people who have children, do care about in, in ensuring that their children grow up, right? To be good people, to be people of good character, right? So it is clear to me that people are very interested in promoting character. Um, I think one of the challenges is figuring out what the most effective way to do that. What, what the most effective way basically that is. Right. So I think you've kind of outlined why we might want um, to change our character, right? So it makes us, to put it simply, better people, right? We treat each yeah. other better. We have a, a better society. You know, we, we have all these sort of positive things that happen if we have individuals who are really high in these sort of character traits. Um, but um, I, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on, you know, how hard is it to change our character? So we talked earlier about how, you know, how one might change their personality traits, you know, but how, how is it harder or less hard to change our character when we compare it to our personality? That's a great question. So I mentioned earlier, right, that we are motivated to see ourselves as good people, right? So we want to see ourselves as uh, moral individuals, right? And in, you know, in an interesting way, right, that actually makes the task of improving our character harder. Because what seems, what tends to happen is that by default, we have a high opinion of our own moral character, right? So what that means is that compared to other maybe less uh, socially desirable traits, 
we might be less willing to acknowledge that we need to change our character. So I mentioned a few minutes ago, right, that there's research that's shown that people want to change their big five personality traits, right? People want to become more extroverted or conscientious or less neurotic. Uh, but when you ask people to pick from a list that includes both character tra traits and big five traits, people tend to prefer the big five traits. Um, and one explanation for this is that people think of the big five traits as having an impact on their immediate well-being in a way that they don't see for character traits, right? So you can imagine someone thinking, well, I could become more generous, but that's going to help other people. Whereas if I become more conscientious, that's probably going to help me, right? So one, you know, one thing that might be happening, especially among younger people. So this study was run among sort of, uh, you know, uh, young adults is that they are thinking about aspects of their personality that they want to change, that's going to help them. Um, so one problem is that people may not be as motivated to change their character. Um, and given up, you know, given what we discussed earlier, right, the, the importance of people wanting to, you know, intentionally or volitionally change their own personality, I think that presents one challenge, the fact that people may not be as motivated. Um, related to that, I think that because people see, already see themselves as high on any given moral trait, it might be hard to motivate them to uh, change their, you know, change that trait even further. And from a scientific standpoint, right? You know, you know, you know about sort of about ceiling effects, right? If people are already rating themselves really high on a trait, even if they do change over the course of an, of an intervention that targets that character character trait, it may not it may not show up empirically, or it may not show up in our results. Right. And it's sort of, as you say, it's sort of a loaded question, right? Like, would you like to be more honest? Um, exactly. Well, I, I think I'm honest already. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely presents a challenge when, when people are already um, kind of answering that, yes, I'm honest. And um, it's going to be hard to see any sort of meaningful change, right? Exactly. Um, but obviously, I mean, I think we know even if people, that's what people are reporting, right? Like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm already extremely honest. I'm already extremely compassionate. Um, people still want to develop these characteristics, even if it's not necessarily coming out in the way that they're answering questions in a survey. Um, so when we think about one, uh, changing our character, how, how can we go about doing that? What are some ways that we can develop or change our character if that's a goal that we have? So, you know, first of all, part of it is making sure people have the right beliefs about change, right? So, you know, if it's the case that uh, people don't see the point of changing their character because they don't see the benefits of it, one thing you could do when you're sort of presenting someone with an opportunity to change through an intervention is to highlight those benefits, right? To say, like, that compassion is good for the world, but it's also good for you. Right, that intellectual humility is good for improving the quality of our political discourse, but it's also going to improve your relationships with your friends and family. Right, so I think you know one lesson of the study that I just discussed is that maybe framing the value of character traits, right, not in only in terms of their pro-social value, but also the value to the individual, might increase people's motivation to change. So I think that's um, one, you know, I think one important one important feature that should be part of a character change intervention. Um, I also think that the attributes of the intervention are important, right? So, you know, the past research has shown that if you don't give people concrete, feasible uh, instructions, right, and you don't give people the opportunity, 
opportunity to follow up on them on an intensive manner for a long enough period of time, people struggle to change their personality. So similarly, when it comes to character traits, I think it's important to be very clear about the types of activities. Um, and these should be activities that frequently occur in their daily lives, right? Um, so activities that they can engage in, in order to practice that character trait or to manifest that character trait, right? So I think it's always helpful to give people very concrete instructions about easily achievable uh, behaviors they can enact, right? As part of, you know, fulfilling this goal of um, becoming, you know, a person of greater character. I think it's also important to think about the timeline, right? So in many of uh, the previous studies looking at volitional character change, there have been studies of three to four months. Um, and they found, right, that changes shifting people's goals and behaviors over a three to four month period was sufficient to see changes on the, on the personality trait. Now, it might be that with character traits, you need a longer period of time. Because as we discussed earlier, people have a very strong motivation to see themselves as a moral person, which means that their trait might take, it might take more work to change your trait, change your, to change your trait level, or the very least to change your self-perception or how you think about your trait level, right? So it might be that the process of changes in your dispositional behavior leading to changes in your trait and changes in your identity might take longer when it comes to character traits compared to personality traits. So I think the so, other thing to keep in mind is patience, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm just thinking about it, you know, is there somebody, I'll, I'll use the, the character uh, trait of, of compassion, right? If someone wants to become a more compassionate person and that's, you know, that they've, they've identified that maybe I'm not as nice as I could be and I should really work on that, mm -hmm. right? Um, it, it sounds like your advice would be, you know, to, to make some concrete and immediate actions that you can take over the next few months. So, um, you know, picking things that are part of your daily life mm -hmm. um, and saying, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this one thing um, and not thinking about it in terms of a year from now, I, you know, I want to have this, um, that or the other sort of thing, but, but really focusing on, on those things that are part of your life now that, um, that you can change immediately. So I'm going to be nicer, um, you know, to my, to my spouse or mm -hmm. more polite um, to the guy selling me coffee um, each morning and not so impatient. Um, and maybe over time, if you take on those behaviors, um, you know, you'll become, say, more compassionate. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So there are different strategies you could use, right? And I agree with you completely that we need to think about concrete behaviors in the here and now. Um, so one thing is to think about specific goals, right? Uh, and, you know, there's, re there's, a, there's a fair bit of research looking at behavior change that focuses on thinking about obstacles to goal achievement and then proactively thinking about how you're going to overcome those obstacles, right? So this is called the, the WHOOP method, W-O-O-P, right? So having people map out, right? So this is what I'm going to do. These are specific things I'm going to do to become more compassionate. Um, so, you know, I'm going to put a note cut by my bed that tells me every day I'm going to, uh, intentionally act in a compassionate way with these people on these contexts. Um, and, you know, maybe you could make a, a card and keep it by a bedside and every night you write in a journal, right? To what extent did I hold myself true to that promise? Um, you could also uh, commit to doing specific behaviors, right? So, you know, for example, right, many people pay for the coffee 
for the person behind them in line, right? So, you know, this sort of paid forward uh, action, right? So community you said to do that for a while uh, is one, it's another way to do it. Um, you could intentionally look for examples of people acting in a compassionate way, right? And make a point of savoring them or, exp you know, expressing gratitude for the fact that oh, someone else was very great, was very kind to me, right? And make a point of celebrating that. Um, you could talk to a friend and have that friend keep you accountable, right? You could maybe make a friend a buddy and say, look, I'm going to try, I'm going to work on becoming more compassionate. I want you to hold me to this promise. So I would like you to support me in specific ways. And for all these different activities, you could sort of, you could think about, okay, what are ways in which I might not fulfill uh, my goal for the day? What are ways in which I might forget? And if I'm in that situation, how am I going to deal with that problem, right? How am I going to overcome that obstacle? Um, so I think really breaking it down into sort of small feasible behaviors and finding ways to facilitate the ease with which you can fulfill those behaviors. I think, uh, I think that that's a critical piece. Yeah. And you mentioned it earlier, sort of patience with yourself. And I think that's, that's really important, right? Um, because with personality or character, but I think from what you've said, especially character, right? You, you're you're going to fail at this sometimes, right? You're going to mess it up, um, right? You're you're changing years of behavior um, and habits, and and so it's important, I think, to keep in mind that just because you mess up once or forget to, you know, um, buy the person's coffee or or whatever, that you know, that doesn't mean that you're, you know, that, that you should give up or that you're not meeting your goals. Um, but it means that you know. Um, this is going to take time, right? And and I think that's kind of important to keep in mind uh, for anybody because it can be easy, I think, when you're when you're focusing on changing these kind of long term characteristics about yourself to say like, this is you know this is impossible, right? I can't do this um, because it's just really hard. Um, and and I, and like I say, you know, you've been doing this for. 20, 30 years now, um, you know, maybe it'll take more than a couple of days exactly. um, yeah. to, kind of, to kind of break that habit, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, like, like I say, I mean, I think it's a very optimistic view, right? Which is that, um, and, and, and I, I think that's an interesting way of thinking about personality or character, right? It's a, thinking about it as this sort of aggregation of behavior makes it something that isn't about, you know, immutable about yourself, right? It's not just I am this way and I'll be this way forever, right? Instead, it's, uh, it, it really is just the way that I behave becomes who I am. Exactly. Right. And whether that's, whether that's personality or character, um, you know, that, that's, I think, important to keep in mind um, because it makes something that is within your control to some degree. And just a thought on what you said, Jessica, I do think thinking about our personality in terms of sort of, you know, our aggregate behaviors, right? Or our patterns of behaviors, right? In a way, affords us a lot of freedom, right? Because it, that way we don't just think of ourselves in terms of, oh, I am someone who's neurotic, right? That's just who I am, right? Instead, we're thinking about us as people who like, we act in meaningful ways based on our context, based on our goals, based on our desires, right? Um, and because our behavior is, you know, because our variation or the fact that we differ in our behavior from context to context in part reflects, right, our own volitional choices, right? That gives us some power to make choices about shifting, right? The, you know, our overall disposition, right? In line with what our goals and values are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, thinking about it in terms of things that are concrete is also, you know, very helpful, right? Like, 
like I say, you know, when you when you frame it as these behaviors, I think um, it makes it a little bit easier to tackle um, versus, you know, I'm going to be more honest or I'm going to be, you know, um, more compassionate or, or, or any of these things or more intellectually curious, right? Um, but when you frame it as something that, that is beneficial to you um, or is something that you want for your life, um, then the behaviors on the way, I think, become kind of incidental, right? You just do them um, because they're, you know, because they're important to meeting that particular goal. So maybe it's not that I focus on um, even compassion as a goal. It's maybe it's, I want to have more friends, you know, because right. I enjoy having friends, right? Um, and so what, what are things that I can do to make that happen? Well, turns out I should probably be nicer to people. Um, and how can I be nicer to people? <laughs> and that's going to get me more friends, right? And, and then, you know, you kind of, end up in a situation where if you make these sort of um, immediate and, and beneficial goals, I think um, you, you might find yourself on the way to being a more compassionate or a more honest person. Exactly. And, and, and I will just add to that, um, that I think one of the, what I think one of the challenges for you to research is to figure out ways to get people to buy into the idea that it is good for us to become better people, right? Because one of the challenges is that, what, you know, if people feel that they're compelled to change their personality, right? Then the possibilities for change are very, very low, right? People have to feel, people have to be motivated themselves to want to change their personality. So, uh, or their character. So figuring out ways for people to realize that, yes, you know, maybe if I was a kinder, more compassionate person, I might be a better friend and maybe I would have more friends, right? Um, and having them come to that realization themselves, right? I think it's going to be, a, it's, it's a critical part of um, a successful character change intervention. Yeah, that's a good point, right? You can't force someone to take this on, right? It really has to come from from them. Well, I think this has been a great conversation, and I think it's really helpful for people to start thinking about character and personality as things that they can kind of change and develop in themselves if that's something that they want. So, Aranda, thanks so much um, for, for chatting with me today. Um, so thank you all for listening, and a big thank you to our speaker, Irvanda Jaya-Wikrama. Don't miss out on new products from the Threat Lab and announcements about the 2021 Summit. And sign up for our distribution list at dodhra.threatlab at mail.mil. All of our products are free, so you don't need a promo code.